Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Really, Good evening, everyone. I'm Tom Pickup, and welcome to the Really 007 podcast for this very special interview with Robert Darby. We, we absolutely love you, Robert, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Oh, mm. Pleasure's all ours. Thank mm. you so much. Christopher, Rob, yeah. Harry, license to Kel. Yeah. <laughs> math and Tom. Yeah, math. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Math is, is like the subject math. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's short for Matthew. It's just oh, what, Matthew. What, one of my older brothers used to call me, and it, it kind oh, of stuck. Hey, Math, how's it going? All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we knew you were fun. Where are you guys now in England right now? Um, near Manchester. Manchester, most of us. Manchester. I was at Manchester. Oh. Really? I was there for a signing several, several years ago. Right. Oh. They had about a half a million people oh. at the oh. signing. They had the thing, I think it was, um, yeah, they had a whole, you know, it was nice. Lines mm. for hours and days. <laughs> Great city. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's lovely, yeah. We're, yeah. We're at 8 o'clock in the evening here, yeah. It's, uh, oh, so yeah. it's early. Yeah, Have you yeah, been yeah. hitting the pints yet or not? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, uh, are you guys now. not drinking yet? Are you not? Well, what, yeah. What are you sipping? Harry yeah, drinking. As a Harry, what is Harry drinking? It's an ale, a pale ale. See that? I mentioned that and his lips got wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite simple. Uh, quite simple. Very good, though. Feels good, doesn't it? Going down. Uh, <laughs> Rob, have you, not, have you not got a Guinness, Rob Parker? No, I, I, must, I must admit, I'm at the end of a quite a heavy week, so I'm on the peppermint. It's <laughs> a heavy week for you, Christopher. <laughs> Oof. I mean, Rob. Uh, Rob, Rob had a heavy... Um, what was your heavy week? Um, well, um, I, I, ended, I finished... Um, I write... Um, I'm a novelist, Robert. So um, I finished a book on Monday. So I, I, I've used it as an excuse to enjoy a, di- a drink every day so far. What is your book? What's it oh, called? Uh, it's Black, Blackstroke? Yeah, Blackstroke's one of them, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so, yeah, no, it's been a good week. Uh, this is the perfect cherry on the cake, though, man. All right. Now, do you... Yeah. Do you how are you, uh, your novels successful? Yeah, I'm full-time. So, yeah. Very good. Thanks, Congratulations! Man. That's Thank great. Thank you very much. Writing is a fun aspect of uh, mm. of yeah, our existence. I, uh, 
Blessed to do it. Blessed to do it. Yes. So, so you were ready for everything. Look at that. He's got his little speaker thing there. Yeah. The mic is oh, hanging yeah. up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. No bullshitting with Rob, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a wanker, that one, I tell you. And Robert, of course, played Sanchez, our favorite villain in License. Franz Sanchez. 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 <laughs> Franz Sanchez. Sanchez. Franz, yeah, yeah. If they say Bond, James Bond, they must say. Sanchez, Franz. Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, license to kill. You might have seen us on Twitter. It's our favourite, and we absolutely thank you for love, it. Yeah, yeah, we, we we love it, and we're trying to make everybody appreciate it more. And I think it seems to be working. I mm. think I think the love for it yeah. has has increased in the last year or so. So yeah, yeah, it has. You guys have uh, have been affecting it. People are looking at it differently. I think there was a guy named John Muir, M U I R. Do you know who he is? Is he on Twitter? M-U- uh, he's not. He's a, he's a. If you can Google him, Google him. John Muir, yeah. License to Kill review Bond. I believe he's English, but he gave a uh, several years ago probably the best uh, overall review of the Bond and relooking at License to Kill. And of course, you know he. I was one of his top Bond villains. Uh, and then you could read what he has to say. But he was a guy that caught my attention uh, decade. You know, yeah, a while ago. Yeah, yeah 2012, and, I found the article. 2012. Yeah, yes, great. Yeah, you found it, right? I did. Yeah, I found it. Yeah. Yeah, read that article, guys. It's really uh, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he he does what you guys did on it, you know, which was great. I so far, Robert, I just done what every um, every annoying person does and just look at the pictures in the article, and it just has a thing on it that says, uh, "This is how Sanchez rewards loyalty," and then it's got a picture of Heller impaled, and then a picture of the Truman Lodge. Uh, <laughs> Shot a few times and built some crest head exploding. So loyalty is more important to you than money, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But 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 health. Wait, wait a minute. Both those people were kind of like you know. All right. Truman Lodge was just irritating. <laughs> <laughs> we've had him on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We've had yeah. him yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Did he ever tell you the story when I put charcoal on his nose? He didn't. No. Please, please tell us this. This is right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good kid, Anthony Stark, a good actor, and he did a great job as that. But it was irritating, you know, he's, he's that accountant thing. So I just, as an actor, you go on what you're feeling, you know, for the, for the actor and the, and the character, you know. He, and he was like a necessary evil to Sanchez as his accountant, you know. But, but a bit irritating to Sanchez, you know, just to... And um, anyway, so... And he was very, you know, young actor, and it's a good break for him. And he was, uh, I, I guess... You know, when you break into the business doing your first film with Frank Sinatra, you know, there's nothing else really to make you fearful about the business, <laughs> you know, for me. So that was 1977. So now it's 1990, 1989. And so I, you know, worked with Schwarzenegger. We went through so many different, uh, it was par for the course during filming to have practical jokes, to do practical jokes. You know, I mean, uh, Arnold and I did, you know, fantastic practical jokes all the time. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're doing this. Rap. We're doing a movie called Raw Deal, <laughs> and and Arnold was throwing these 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 little things that you know they like sound like firecrackers that explode against the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like early in the morning, and he's doing that at my hotel. We were on the beach in Wrightsville Beach, in Carolina, and he's throwing these, and he's talking to Maria his wife at the time, and uh, Jake Bloom, his lawyer, or Lou Pitt, one of the, the lawyer or the, or the agent. 
And you know, anyway, if you Maria, we have to do this here, Lou. And we could do it here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, you know, to tease me because we would, you know, we became very close friends. So I, I looked out the, the curtain. Uh, it's Arnold. And he has a big cigar and he's pontificating right on the beach there, right? You know, because we were. And I went to the bathroom. I got the pail, the bucket. I filled it with lukewarm water and so tons of soap suds. You know, shampoo soap suds. I waited, I opened the door, and as he comes right by the door, they're fantastic, yeah, we're doing these, Maria. He takes a nice puff of his brand new <laughs> Churchill cigar, and I dump it right on him. Soap <laughs> <laughs> suds hanging from his cigar. <laughs> now, Maria's cracking up. <laughs> Lou Pitt's crack, doesn't know what to do because, you know, but Maria's laughing. And Arnold, <laughs> most human beings, if you got water dumped from a height, would go like like this. You would flinch. He didn't flinch. He just stayed like a statue with, his, with the thing. And he goes, uh, this means war. <laughs> and I won't tell you the, the great time we had doing practical jokes against each other all the time. So I come from that era. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing this and we're doing Bond. And I think we're in Mexicali. And... Um, you know, sometimes if they didn't have equipment, the old makeup artists would take a, a cork from a wine bottle and they would burn it and it would create shading. You could create shade, you know, put on lightly or if you needed to do shading. So the makeup artist had done that and put that on the counter. And me and Benicio were talking and having, you know, laughs in the in the in the in the, hotel, in the, uh, the trailer, the makeup trailer. And, and Anthony Stark comes in, you know, from outside. <laughs> And he goes, um, he goes, oh, hey, how's it going? Man? How you doing? He goes, oh, what's this? I go, shh, put that down. He goes, what? I look at Benicio. Shh. I go, that's, that's hash, hash. He goes, hash. I go, yeah, smell it. So <laughs> he goes to smell it, and I just threw this on his nose with it. So now he's got the ash mark on his nose. <laughs> Anthony a young actor, and I, and I hope he forgives me for telling this story. He kind of like it, it was a big thing for him. It was it was it was it was traumatized, traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Barbara Broccoli being the mother hen, you know, and I was like, you know, I was already in Sanchez mode. So <laughs> you know what I mean? I was playing Sanchez, and and so my behavior was uh, uh, not totally like Sanchez. But you know, you keep it on a slow burn when you're filming for five months. So at, at dinner that night, John Glenn comes down. He goes, Robert, what did you do to poor Anthony Stark? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he has half a smile on his face. Apparently he's upstairs crying to Barbara and Barbara's quite upset. He says, uh, now I don't know if they were teasing or not, but Anthony, and then Barbara comes down and says, Davi, what did you do to Anthony? Okay, I says, Barbara, what, I, did not, I, did, I did this. I, it was a thing, it was a joke. It was a, anyway, so that's what it was, so. Uh. That's my uh, Anthony's story, he's a terrific <laughs> actor. But I, I did wind him up a little bit, as everybody did, you know? Yeah, yeah. So loyalty is more important to me than money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, going, knowing all that, <laughs> he had to have a demise. He ratted me out. <laughs> yeah. Spray the Barbara, you know, yeah. and, uh, and John Glenn. Another $80 million write-off. I guess it's time to start turning overhead. 
So, you know, I'm sorry. Time to start cutting overhead. That's for Heller. <laughs> Heller, wasn't Heller betraying a little bit? He was ready to take off. Yeah. yeah. He was betrayal. He so, was disloyal. Yeah. Disloyal. Yeah. So any act of violence that Sanchez committed was done to him. Strictly from, business. Yeah. From the beginning. And I justify <laughs> yeah. that. Even, even Lupe. Yeah. The opening when uh, the, you want him, what did he promise you? His heart? Give him his heart. So even uh, that, but that to me should have been autoerotic because Ian uh, Fleming always liked the autoeroticism, but you couldn't do it at that time in film. So in other words, I felt that I couldn't, I wanted to play it titillating that Lupi and I have this little game because it's good for our sexuality. And she likes to be, you know, because Ian Fleming has, was, you know, Bond was a little bit sadistic. That was a little bit of what it was in the books. Anyway, but that was not, that wouldn't gotten us an X rating. So she died <laughs> when I whipped her. What did he promise you? His heart? Give her his heart. No. No, Franz. I didn't mean any harm. It's all right, baby. No te preocupes. We all make mistakes. Your escapades are getting more creative. Por favor, Franz. Not a word. But every act of violence that Sanchez commits in the film actually is in response to what was done to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just moving on that, Robert, would you say, I, my personal opinion is that I'd say Sanchez is the most human of the Bond villains in terms of he's the most charming, but he's obviously the most realistic as well. And there's this phenomenal bromance that goes on between Sanchez and Bond throughout this film. And, uh, I suppose in this alternative world, I'd have just loved uh, Bond to have joined the organization and uh, mm. you taken over the, the world. It would just been yeah. oh, sensational. We could have had license to kill two, three, and four, like Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would have had to gone to another business besides drugs, which is a terrible <laughs> scourge on our societies. But uh, I think that, um, yes, there was, well, Timothy and I, from the beginning, when we met at MGM and had lunch for the first time, there was a, uh, we talked about Casino Real and how Bond and the villain, how Ian Fleming talks about Bond and the villain being mirror images of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably the, the film that really was clearly had a bit of that going on because Sanchez had the charm, he had the danger and the whatnot of it all, you know? So uh, there was this, uh, Sanchez had an appreciation for Bond, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, it all starts with Ian Fleming and Casino Real in terms of the mirror imaging of, of the two characters. And he is the most, I mean, I think I was one of the youngest Bond villains at the time. Mm. And also someone who was formidable in terms of his physicality, along with Bond, because a lot of them hadn't. And also the, I don't know who, uh, I know some others had animals in their films, right? Cats and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. they had, if that was it, but no one talked to the, the animal. I don't believe, but I actually related to my animal <laughs> and I, 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 re- I related to the iguana even more so in uh, 
in License to Kill. I wish we would have the outtakes of some of those conversations I, I had with her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have conversations with, and it would, it would, it would whisper in my ear. I go, really? <laughs> so we had a very good relationship. It did not like Talisa Soto. We wanted to not take to Talisa Soto. It was very interesting. She knew she betrayed me. She knew she... The iguana was very smart. And John Glenn, you know the story about the iguana, right? Well, please tell it. Please tell it. Do you not know the story? No. You know the story. You just want to hear it. I don't know it, no. No, the iguana just didn't like Talisa Soto. They had to put it in a cooler because they had to if it got hot, it got aggressive. So they would put it in a cooler and then they would take it out for a shot and stuff like that. But the, the iguana was quite lovely. I got very close and friendly to him. I got an iguana. My kids got one after that. <laughs> actually got an iguana. Yeah, my, ran out of the cage and my son grabbed its tail and it actually sheds its tail. <laughs> it feels oh. like it's in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It grows another one. Yeah, interesting enough, you know. But um, so we're filming the shot and uh, I hear whispering behind the camera. It is not closer on that, Alex. Look at that. Look at that one. Look at that. His eyes sparkle. It's fantastic. It's great. So real. So engaging. Going tighter. I think it's fantastic. So I'm hearing this shit on the camera. And of course, my ego is going, see that John Glenn knows. Because I knew I was doing some good work. But I'm thinking, oh, wow, look at that. Right? To myself. And after the cut, cut. All right. And John walks over, looking at me, right? Like he's going to say something and I'm like all puffed up. And he, he then bends over, you're such an marvelous actor. Talking to the iguana. So, <laughs> so natural, so fantastic. Make sure we have more close-ups on this iguana. Oh, really good. And then, and then John cracks up, you know what I mean? He couldn't hold it any longer. Because he was winding me up, of course, the whole time. But that's how much fun we had on that shoot. All the time. It was just great. And the last one that Cubby did, who was wonderful in Dana. Yeah. Well. Anthony Stark said it was quite a party atmosphere at times. Well, I was Sanchez. So I would have Benicio and I and Talisa. You know, I had the, I, we, we were doing mopeds and tequila. We were in Palanco and Caballo Bayo. So we were doing slammers. I mean, it was, uh, you know, on weekends. So we had a lot of fun. And uh, I wanted to have that exuberance of Sanchez that, you know, the, uh, that's why even in Benicio, there's almost like a homo, homoerotic yeah, yeah. moment when I grab him by the face. You don't know what is it, you know what I mean? I didn't want to, and that's pretty early on to do that in the Bond yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To show, to not be afraid of, yeah, because that's in that, in those cultures, there is that affection and who knows where it ends or not and uh, even when the moment when Benicio was getting eaten up by the thing it was a little thing I says who would you who would you because he called me his mentor for many years Benicio yes. after that because we were five months together there and then we did Columbus together and uh, I had studied with Stella Adler as he had and I said well who do you think you'd be calling as you're being eaten up Sanchez and then he yells at Sanchez uh, as he's going for it, because that's where, you know, it's like a surrogate parent to his, to him. <laughs> you did. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh. <laughs> 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 
He remained loyal, unlike. Oh yeah, he was loyal. But no, no, Benicio, Dario was loyal to me. Of course he was, because he's family. <laughs> he has to be loyal. To me. I always read that perhaps as that there was a family relationship there, possibly between us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That maybe like a, an uncle, or you taken over almost as like a surrogate sort of father figure. Yeah, it was it was ambiguous. I wanted it ambiguous. I didn't want yeah. to define it. I didn't want to be his father. I didn't want to be his uncle. And I wanted people to buy into, could they have been lovers? Who knows? Could there have been something there? I wanted to leave it open because I thought it was interesting to have people say and watch and say, oh, wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. So however it was interpreted, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's what it was. We've done a, an episode where we've gone through all the henchmen from the series and Obviously, Benicio ranks, you know, very highly up there, and we talked uh, about him a lot. But it's partly because of his relationship with you. All the other sort of henchmen going through the series, they're just a hired hand kind of. There's no relationship between the villain and the henchman. But with you two, yeah, there's that, yeah, very familiar relationship, which is like that. That his death is impactful enough, you know, the, how gratuitous it is, but. Film to add that that extra level of shouting for your name. I don't think any other Bond film would have gone there or, or done that. There's no other relationship that would have would have produced a death like that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that it's was the again the relationship series. that I had right from the beginning when he comes in and you see our first thing and I embrace his cheek. You know what I mean? Right yeah. there, it's not the typical. It's 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 creating a symbiotic, bringing him into my world as a trusted person, as a yeah. relation, as someone close to me. And that's why at the denouement, I said, you have to yell Sanchez as you're getting eaten up by that thing. That was the suggestion I had made to Great call. How much sort of preparation did you do for the role? Given that obviously he's a very grounded character, isn't he? He's a very believable character. Did you sort of look at real life figures for inspiration? Yes. Uh, right from the beginning, Michael Wilson recommended me reading a book called The Underground Empire. And then also, I, you know, when I did, and, and I knew it was a mixture of, uh, of uh, Pablo Escobar, Ochoa, and... Uh, and um, Noriega. No, not just Noriega. Uh, there was another guy, a German guy. There was a German drug lord mm. who had a German name, Colombian. Mm -hmm. But I knew that he was from Medellin. So I, I met, I actually met with Escobar's architect oh. in Beverly Hills. I, <laughs> I then put the word out. I then read copiously. I learned about the cumbia music, la musica cumbia, and the, the paisa dialect, Eva Maria Puesombre, which I could have done much more difficult that accent but we didn't want to do that they wanted something you know just a flavor of the, that whole thing i even had sent them when we were doing it gypsy kings were very famous at the time i says hey they would be great for a soundtrack <laughs> the, you know the gypsy kings could be an interesting kind of vibe to it but i you know I, and then you know putting the the, the, the language into the uh, into spanish and uh, uh, like i said the music and the uh, subtle transformation that the music and the language and the culture and the food and and reading about that world that to them it's business. And uh, I don't remember if loyalty is more important to me than money was in the initial script. I'm not sure. Or I had suggested it because Michael Wilson was very, and Richard Maybaum, Michael was very available. And, uh, you know, he, he, was, he, he did a terrific job on that, on that script because it was during a writer's strike. Hey, <laughs> ready to go? We got the batteries recharged on the sub. It'll take you to 12 mile limit, fast boat to Cuba. 
We'll be there for breakfast. Relax. We wait for Dario. Look, you crazy. You got everybody looking for you. What about Kellifer? Having a cop here is nuts. I want to deep sex him. I made a deal with this guy, and I'm going to keep my word. I don't like it. He can finger me. I spent a fortune on this cover. Something you better understand, amigo. Loyalty is more important to me than money. Yeah, and John Glenn has quite an, e- an easy style of directing. Does that was that the whole vibe of the production? Where there was that John Glenn is actually... so efficient, knows what he wants. No big, mm. you know. Uh, it was just come on, you think five months and so it creates. Uh, he creates a creative atmosphere. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The relaxed creative atmosphere where you feel nothing is going to be, and he knows what he needs and what he wants. It's not like you know. It's so such a well-oiled machine that was, uh, and I'm sure all of them. So it was, it was, uh, it was like taking a warm bath every day. <laughs> you know, you weren't put into the. Uh, uh, even though we had sharks and stuff like that, it, it was just really just uh, the circumstance that was created. You know, it's a believable story. It got. Uh, it was unfortunate that it didn't make the money it should have made. It made a lot of money foreign, more foreign mm. than it did domestic. <clears throat> But for whatever reason, and people want to talk about, you know, an episode of Miami Vice and all that other stark criticism they make of it without it being really looking, mm-hmm. looking at the layers of, of what it is and what it, uh, and look today, today, it's as current today as what's happening mm-hmm. in those drug wars <clears throat> as it is anything else. It hasn't aged. It hasn't like been, oh, that's from back then, mm-hmm. you know, much like. You know, some of the films, and Cubby always talked about having a film they learned from other films in the 70s where they were of a time period, but they wanted these to kind of continue on. Like, wait a minute, we're just watching it now. It's, it's, it's that current. Mm. Before they got into uh, all the, uh, which is fun, all the uh, aerial effects. You know, this is, yeah. Yeah. you know, the Julian brothers. This is like, you know, when you, when you watch this on the film, people are happy to see not the, the digital effect world that mm. we have today. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, just going on that, I mean, the stunts, obviously, the uh, the Kenworth chank- tanker chase, as we see there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, that must have been pretty grueling to film. Obviously, you know, the stunt work and all the rest of it going on, but I'd just love you to tell us about that as an experience because it is one absolutely sensational scene. Well, they were shooting that for weeks in Mexicali. And then they knew exactly where to put Timothy and I in to the moment. So it wasn't too grueling. You had the great stunt guys doing their stuff. And then we would come in and, uh, you know, do a, uh, do a, do what we had to do for those moments. Um, so it wasn't that in terms of, uh, you know, the scuba diving aspect, I think was, you know, when I get the opening, which is a great opening when you go into the, the off of that Key West you know, the, 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 the bridge, the, yeah. the bridge off the bridge. Yeah. That to me, you know, was a fun stunt. You know, that was interesting. And the other stuff, like, again, it was it, those tanker trucks are doing and those drivers are doing all the work. Timothy and I are put into that. And now we're reacting as if we're in, you know, how they do that stuff. So it wasn't that it, it, it looks it was grueling for them, you know, and mm. there was also a cloud of, of uh, you know, I remember, I think, the Inquirer or someone uh, the uh, when they had the explosion, supposedly the devil came into the yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was some there was some freaky stuff that happened around it, 
Yeah. Did, did you experience anything? <laughs> I hadn't, luckily, because I'm so Catholic. I had a million different uh, rosary beads and uh, <laughs> <laughs> holy water and iconic things keeping keeping it all away. <laughs> you know, because Sanchez was very religious. Well, we're just at that, at that point in the film, um, that... I think this is one of the most iconic villain deaths as well. I'm sorry for the yeah. sensitive subject, Robert. <laughs> the, <laughs> but the death of Sanchez is just one of the most iconic. And I, I, what was it like to see that? Did you see them film that or did you? Oh, I was that? there. I did. They did light there. me on fire a little part. They had a guy, that a stunt guy that's very well protected. But part of me was lit on fire. And then, of course, it's, you know, so we can have that close up of uh, yes. when he has the lighter. Yeah. Don't you want to know why? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which was... <laughs> Could have had everything. Yeah. You know? The screams, is that all you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that is agony. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, so that's, you know, you've got to imagine what it's like to be, you know, to be burned on fire. <laughs> you could have had everything. Don't you want to know why? I would say, like right now, I would like Sanchez back um, for to be a villain now, you know. But I'm like, there's no coming back from that. I don't think. That idea that you know he was helicoptered into a Swiss hospital <laughs> where they they rebuilt him, and <laughs> he's now in a chair with a breathing machine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant to come after Bond. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I you know I couldn't come back. No, I no, I don't think Barbara would want me back. <laughs> with the greatest respect to Barbara, that would be the greatest result for Bond Twenty Six we could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you tell them. You say yeah. they could always put me in as a as another character too. Yeah, they used to do that. Yeah, I know they used to, you know, if Cubby was alive, it would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for sure. I'm pretty sure. You know, you guys should get a hold of the, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the interview with uh, when I did test for Bond. Yeah. John yeah. Glenn says you were brilliant. Yeah. He's the wonderful. <laughs> and they asked me to uh, pick the girl, my girlfriend, oh, Sanchez's yeah. girlfriend. But they didn't want me to feel, you know, I was going to do Sanchez. So we, I did Bond. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we did. I did seventeen actresses and models from around the world, and I played Bond in all of them. Oh, James Bond, and I had that quite good thing going. I think I was more <laughs> the young Sean Connery kind of vibe at that time. Mm. Thirty-two inch arms. I mean, a, a twenty-two inch arms, thirty-two inch waist. I was slender, and um, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. I got to play James Bond. Robert came in and dressed up as James Bond and and played Bond for me to test her. And I tell you, he wasn't bad. Robert was quite good as James Bond. He really was. All jokes you know, aside, though, there is there's something in that, uh, Robert. The, the, like we've talked about before, the similarities with you and James Bond. You are a version of James Bond, which is yes. why it's so effective. Yes, yeah, there is that. So there was also, you know, being able to... And it was a great, you know... Because that's how I saw it. I saw Sanchez as this mirror of Bond. Mm. And, um, you know, with his... Uh, you know, Medellin background. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember, 
you're only president for life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you get all the best lines. Yeah, like I'm yeah. sure deliberate, wasn't it? Because Timothy presumably wasn't as comfortable with the sort of Roger Moore one-liners and yeah, t- yeah, that was. The, and then what happened was they were seeing it on screen, and then you know, bon appetit. Timothy then, you know what I mean, realized, wait a minute, there's a way of saying these lines and it also, being, you know, from what I understood. And uh, then, then of course, it was, uh, yeah, there was a, you know, a little bit of a, because he had his approach, you know, he wanted to erase, of course, what was done uh, before or had what had been up, done up to that. But for me, um, he did a marvelous job. And um, oh, yeah. He's great. He's a great actor and a great mm-hmm. uh, person. We had wonderful time together. And I, when I talk to him, it's wonderful. Every decade or so, we make the case. <laughs> <laughs> what what memories do you have of working with Tim? What was he like as a guy? Because he's uh, he's uh, well, we- most generous actor. He's just a wonderful really? person to work with. Yes, he's no he's no competition. There's competition about making the scene and making each actor feel comfortable. It was just you know, it was just very his. It was just spot on. Good. You know, we like two great jazz musicians playing together, you know, you know, that's, 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 that's why that whole thing, that laugh that we have when we first meet happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, More of a problem eliminator. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we had that moment when we first met. Oh. Uh, Yeah. We had that moment when we first met. So I felt, and he felt, I'm sure that let's bring it on here. You know what I mean? Let's bring that to reality. Well, travel man. You did all right at the tables tonight. I had the feeling my luck was about to change. Well, it's a wise gambler who knows when his luck is run out. Why this? In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. And what business is that? I help people with problems. Problem solver. I'm more of a problem eliminator. And are you here on business? No, temporarily unemployed. I thought I might find work here. Well, it's very difficult to obtain a work permit in Isthmus. It's, uh, well, one has to show a special talent that people here don't have. Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. It's in your barn, you got big cornies. You come here to my place without references, carrying a piece, throwing around a lot of money. But you should know something. Nobody saw you come in, so nobody has to see you go out. Senor Sanchez, I could be very useful to a man in your position. And I understand you have a reputation for awarding loyalty very well. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'll keep this for a few days. We'll talk again. And uh, you won't need a gun in Ismis. It's a very safe city. In the meantime, I welcome you to the casino at all times. It was quite a, you know, great, great experience and uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, the history of cinema, there's nothing like Bond. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they don't ruin it. I hope political correctness doesn't ruin the fun of Bond. Mm. What do you think about the, the recent films, Robert? The, the, the I enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy them. I think Daniel Craig is doing a great job, and I think the, they're exciting. You know what I mean? So it's hard to compete sometimes against the backdrop of, of those. And, you know, of course, I'd lie if I didn't say I was competitive. So <laughs> keeping Sanchez... Uh, you know, uh, in 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 a, in a top contention, you know, it's oh, yeah, in the yeah. top five or ten of Bond villains. So there's all of that. You know, you have to you have to say, okay, what is that? But it just is. Uh, yes, I enjoy that. I enjoy the Bond films. Do you not feel that there's in some way the Daniel Craig films owe quite a lot to? Oh, absolutely. I call Timothy License to Kill is the father of Daniel Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I think that, that those Bond films were ahead of its time by decades. Yeah. Yes. And it's the father that spawned them. And now they have more special effects and everything else. So you can kind of, and different filming techniques, of course, that can make it a little more. Because don't forget, when we came out, we had Batman and we had light, Lethal Weapon. Yep. So there were a bunch of films that were now uh, being made differently or starting to be made differently. And um, we had a you know, classic style that we had with License to Kill. Yeah. And um, so you have, uh, but it still is uh, exciting to see the, uh, the evolution of Bond. And again, I say, I say it that, uh, you know, Timothy is the father of Daniel Craig. Mm. Yeah. Were, were you aware of how much of a, a leap forward it was in terms of the tone of the Bond films when you were making it? You know, it's so, such a harder prospect license to kill than anything that had gone before mm. the theme's so much deeper we were aware at the time that this was a you know a jump forward for the franchise yeah i think it was done on purpose and also uh, i didn't focus on that except you know the character you know what i mean this the story the 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 um but the, but i found the bonds don't forget the early ones with sean connery you know you had so many glimpses of, of uh, 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 you know where they were you had a certain kind of, there was a theatricality, but there was still a very believable. And then it was only later on with Roger Moore that some of the, the other aspect of Bond uh, became larger than life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you had uh, 
So yeah, as a, as a departure from what had been, but not had what had been prior. I think it was more an evolution of of the Connery lineage, mm-hmm. and then now taken up by Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. and of course Pierce Brosnan did a terrific job. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. did. Yeah. yeah. Are you glad you got Timothy though? I think it's it's the best bond for you. I think for Sanchez to to be pitted mm-hmm. against. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, Timothy had that edge, and he had the intensity, and he had the uh, you know, and the the humanity of it. You know, Tim. You know, you you think about, and I remember this. I remember the scene when he meets Sharky, and he's walking in the, uh, in a I think a blue shirt, just a very relaxed blue shirt, mm-hmm. and um, you think to yourself, well, that's not Bond. Mm. He's not in a Savoy Row suit right now. Mm-hmm. He's in this. But then you think to yourself, wait a minute, but he is a secret agent. Yeah. He's a guy that I would believe now going into this atmosphere of infiltrating and being low key and not drawing attention to himself. So that's the reality that Timothy was coming from with it and uh, that he was trying to go, you know what I mean, into that. And I think absolutely that was right. And it was great. What was he like to have a beer with? (laughs) We had Muppets. Wonderful. Yeah. We had we had a blast. <laughs> we had a we had a we had a lot of lot of fun. We had a lot of lot of laughter, and uh, you know it was hard work and it was enjoyable. It was really quite an you know you know <laughs> it, it, it was wild. It was it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I love the fondness with which you talk about this though. Yeah, I know. This is such a. Um, I mean, I, I this is by my desk, Robert. That's from the ah. wave test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much this film is. It's meant a great to be. shot. Then. Yeah. yeah. You should have a shot of me in my per- my pink shirt. By the oh, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just right there. That scene between the two of us. You're right there. <laughs> uh, I I know, but I have a shot with him and I when we were at the uh, Arabesque, and I've got that pink shirt on. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is a great, great shot of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without running the risk of sounding a bit weird, Robert, I actually have that pink shirt and the blue cardigan. And uh, <laughs> when when, when, I, when we get out of this COVID period and we can have fancy dress parties, I will be going as Sanchez. You mean you have the actual one? <laughs> no, no, no. no, oh, no. You got something like it. I have one from Debenhams. Give it but, okay. Uh, <laughs> you need, you need a machete find, as well. I need a machete and I need <laughs> some wicker shoes. I need some yeah, the wicker shoes. shoes. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you still have any of the props or costumes or any keepsakes, Robert? Yes, I have this, the original script and then I have uh, oh. some of the wardrobe. Oh, oh wow. 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 Yeah. The, the the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's staying in archives. <laughs> it, it, it just seemed like the perfect storm, License to Kill. You've got, in, in my opinion, the greatest Bond portrayal in Timothy. In my opinion, and I'm not just saying this, the greatest Bond villain in yourself, and also the greatest Bond director in John Glenn. And um, you've obviously worked with some incredible directors you know people like john mcteen and paul verhoeven and stuff but i'd just love you if you could just share we think that john glenn is very underrated not just in bond but in cinema in general and i know that you've already said about how calm he is and stuff how diverse he is across these five bond films is absolutely sensational oh yeah um, I, yeah i mean I look love you just wax lyrical about him because <laughs> it's just it's phenomenal really well, he, uh, 
All I can say is that I know that um, people, uh, producers, Hollywood producers, probably a lot of them, watch the Bond films to get ideas from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those ideas are things that, that John Glenn invented during the course of his reign as a, uh, as a director. He invented a lot of things. He loved animals. That whole thing with the, with the, uh, with the stingray and him hiding with the stingray. I mean, you, mm. you don't realize the stuff that he invented. I mean, he was an editor on Wild Geese, yeah, that yeah, movie with yeah. Richard Burton. And uh, so John, as an editor and the pacing of the film, keeping you going. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's so, he's so uh, adept at... Uh, Lisa was a terrific actress, but she was new. So he knew that he needed to keep her in movement. And this is John, you know what I mean? And uh, would help her with her interpretation. And John's a very quiet observer. He's a very quiet observer. And then he'll strike like a python in terms of, you know, the creative act. He'll take it in and then, I don't mean strike negatively, but I'm saying, you know, his wheels are turning. And then, and that's why his performances in the Bond films have a sense of reality mm. because John is not a performer as a human being. You could see him very internal with a very keen sense of humor. And he just is, I'll give you a, for instance, a lot of directors when Benicio did that nice honeymoon. <laughs> okay. So that's a very quirky line reading. Yeah. That could be, you know, no, 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 no. It's honeymoon. Nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But John, likes the quirk he understood the quirk you know what i mean and when we did i worked with him again in christopher columbus the discovery so john has this uh again being able to uh to interpret the script to give the actor the freedom and also the the confidence and being able to come in with uh, what he has to come in with he's just you know a very wonderful person overall he really is you get very fond of him. Great sense of humor and the crew that he worked with. All the English crew that he had, they were all supportive and they were all family, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, it was like being at a resort for five months. When, when we spoke to him, he was, he, you know, he said very similar stuff. And he talked about how, he's because he's so humble, isn't he? He was saying, well, you know. Very it humble. Al- it was almost saying, you know, directing's easy because you just hand over to the actors and they're amazing at what they do. And he was saying, talking about giving that creativity, but then on the same note, he, he was praising you, Robert, and yeah. um, just saying how good you were to work with. Robert Darby was a bit of a character we gather as well on License to Kill. Yeah, he became a very good friend of mine, Robert. Oh, great. I mean, uh, Christopher Columbus. Yeah. And uh, the discovery, and uh, he was a, a great guy, a terrific guy. And then Chris Columbus as well. And, you know, obviously having that kind of relationship with your director must be crucial. I don't know if you can talk, you know, with with the other films that you've been in, the relationship with the director must be pretty crucial. You have to have that. They have to love, look at a director, you know, have John, John done more films, perhaps maybe when we met each other younger, you know what I mean? Mm. You always look for a director that, you know, John Huston found Humphrey Bogart. And they had that symbiotic relationship and did a bunch of films together. You know what I mean? You have De Niro with Scorsese. You have people that find, you know, and you can just feel comfortable with each other and continue film after film. Had we had the old studio system, I think John and I would have wound up doing a bunch of films together. And uh, 
because of uh, the mutual respect and the, the ease of which we can, you know, of, of, of the communication. Uh, again, le- even on Columbus. He's trying to make fools of us. It is ignorance and lack of courage which makes fools of men. Listen to me. I tell you that a well-disciplined ship can make this voyage. Cheap little trick. Huh? Proves nothing about the Sea of Darkness. A sea so broad, even if Cathay were on the other side. No man would live to see it. He knows what he's saying, Cologne. The world is round, correct? (laughs) Where I stand, it will be the beginning and the end. Zero degrees and 360 degrees. Where Martin stands, 90 degrees. De La Cosa, half the globe, 180 degrees. Vicente, three quarters of the globe, 270 degrees. Can you follow that? Don't insult me, Cristobal. The length of Europe and Asia to the tip of Cathay is roughly 260 degrees. Beyond Cathay is Sipango. Let's say 28 to 30 degrees. Paulo never saw Sipango. No, but he had the word of Chinese sea captains. So we can't be sure. The ocean sea is 70 degrees of the world. There are 45 miles to a degree. So it is 3,000 miles from Palos to Sipango and 2,400 miles from the Canaries. A well-provided, a well-disciplined ship can make that. What if your figures are wrong? They are not wrong. Would you sail with him, Frau One? Alas, that is not possible. But if it were, there is no power on this earth saving the Holy Father. Would keep me from making this voyage of discovery. The funny story of Columbus, when I got the part for Pinzon, Martin Pinzon, and uh, I, I had done research and I had, we didn't have cell phone or texting. We could only, you know, not even email, fax. So I was faxing him and Ilya Salkin, you know, notes on the character. And uh, John said, when we get to uh, Malta, we'll sort it out. So I figured, oh, no, I hope so. Anyway, so now we get to Malta and John greets me at the hotel in the lobby. He goes, and he goes, Robert, did you speak to the Spanish experts? I go, why? He goes, because every note you've given us, they brought up and we won't be able to get the seal of uh, the crown of Spain or the, the ships. And they want, because Pinzon was a character that in Spain, there are statues. He's as important as Columbus. There's Pinzon Day. Mm-hmm. I says, no, I didn't. I didn't even know there were Spanish experts. And he giggled. He says, also, it appears that there were Davies on the ships, on the voyages. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. so, and, and I didn't know this. And then, so anyway, so even in the filming of, of, of that from the beginning, and then we, you know, he's so open to that, the researching of it all. And um, he, he was, let me put it this way. Marlon Brando is a very difficult person. Could be. Brando was in this movie. Yeah. Now, Brando, we're up in the hotel room. And I knew Brando because of Stella Adler and also George Englund, who produced and directed the film that actually got me the Bond film because Cubby Broccoli and Richard Maybaum had seen it. And then they offered me the Bond film. 
so I knew Brando. So Brando had come to play Torquemada. And he was in England at the time, because his daughter was there. And he had come to, to this with, uh, he goes, watch. And he puts in these teeth. And then he goes, and he had fingernails made. And, the, and he, I, I see him like Nosferatu, the Torquemada. And unfortunately, this is not what we were doing. It would be a whole different lighting thing. So John has a conversation with Marlon. And, but Marlon, I said to Marlon, I says, he's a gentle man. I says, you know what I mean? I says, John Glenn is a great guy. I says, I, I don't think it's the style of what we're doing. I says, but he'd be open to what you have to say, of course. So I said it like that. And anyway, you know, John didn't bullshit him. A lot of times guys will bullshit with Brand, you know, bullshit. Oh, you want to do that? Absolutely. Go ahead. Blah, 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 blah. And John just said, you know, that's not, it's not quite what we're doing here. <laughs> and, and Marlon liked, and then there was a whole big to-do. I don't know if you know the to-do behind the scenes. No, please say more of it, please. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's interesting. It's, uh, there were scenes where Brando, but this is going to show you how John Glenn is able to navigate difficulties with the least amount of headache. There were scenes that Brando had with Ferdinand and Isabella. Isabella was Rachel Ward, and Ferdinand was Tom Selleck. Okay, so Marlon already had an issue with a little bit of, of that. But the scenes he had there were, he was. He says, "I'm sitting around like an old grandmother for all these things, <laughs> listening to them." He says, "I, I, I want to send an emissary to the, uh, and and he can report back to me, so I'm not there." And anyway, so they, and then Tom Selleck had gotten upset and put a note down and was going to leave the film because he did it because of Brando, you know, and whatnot, having scenes with Brando. And anyway, so they negotiated. So Brando was going to be in several scenes and there'd be an emissary that would be in several other scenes. And that was worked out. So now on one of the scenes, and we're in Mal I forget where we were, but John showed me the scene. This is how lovely John is. So now here's Brando's close-up. Now, he also looked like Friar Tuck in that big outfit, right? <laughs> and John shows me a three-minute scene of Brando with Torquemada. And, and, uh, and Isabella, and they're waxing elegant, and they're talking and talking and talking, and here's Brando's closer. In <laughs> 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 three minutes, and John is howling. <laughs> and, and John, you know, basically, who's to say he wasn't bored with that? He's Torquemada, the Grand Inquisitor. Who's to say? You know what I mean? He could not use it in the in the picture, of course. But the reality, John, would, John was laughing hysterically. How great is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that shows you John Glenn. I mean, he understood and he had to navigate, you know, all of that. And, uh, and, 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 and of course... He he's a guy that will. He's just an amazing person, and his wife Janine was wonderful. You know, they were just a great couple. I have very fond memories with him, and when I see him, it's always great. I've seen him a couple of times. I went to Sweden. They had a thing, and John was there, and he's, you know, how's his health and everything? Is he doing well? Yeah, yeah. He seems, yeah, he seems great. Yeah. Hey, John, I send you my love, John. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. 
you mentioned there, jog my memory when you mentioned about when you see him, what was it like when you, you all came together for the premiere? Oh, that was exciting. Yeah. That was very exciting. I was having arguments with my girlfriend at the time who became my wife. I should have known. <laughs> anyway, four great kids and we had, anyway, but the, the premiere was uh, exciting in London. Here I am, this kid that, you know, I mean, Princess Diana. Yeah. You know, Prince Charles. Here, we're going to do this for Princess Chuss. And uh, this is a funny bit. But so, I, you know, I know that, I mean, it was a very exciting night. Okay. It was, a, it's, 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 a, it's like an Academy Award night, you know. You're getting to meet royalty in England, you know. And I love Shakespeare. I did so much Shakespeare. And, uh, you know, and, and between Dylan Thomas and Shakespeare and, you know, Beckett and, uh, you know, all the great, uh, anyway, Marlowe. Uh, so there's a... So here I am, very exciting night. We're on the receiving line and they tell us how we have to receive the prince and princess. So I know that, you know, look at the Princess Diana, royalty. So I know that when she, I can't like stare at her to check, check her out. I'm a guy, I want to check out the princess. You know what I mean? So you can't do that. You can't, you can't check out the princess like that when she's right in front of you, you know? Hello, your highness. You know, wow. <laughs> Whatever. You're a, you know, it's like, and this is broadcast live in the theater. So she's down there, right? Coming this way. And I'm like looking at it like this at the, I'm like, <laughs> trying to, as Prince Charles and her are approaching, I'm looking like this, you know, and it looks so shifty eyed. But all the English papers, and, and on TV, what is Bond villain thinking? <laughs> but it was, and then we sat by them, and then we had the big event afterwards where Vanessa Redgrave was there, and all the, you know, the the, the Frank Bruno was. I mean, all the huh? all the you know, it was wonderful, uh, huge, huge. Uh, it was quite a an experience, uh, quite an experience. Great. You mentioned obviously this was you know a huge thing to be in a Bond film and it you know but you have an incredibly diverse kind of resume of you know like say action films and comedies and kids films and all sorts of stuff so I was just wondering is there anything in that resume that, that never kind of hit the mark something that you feel that actually it might be worth people to revisit you know in, in a way to reevaluate because I feel that well, a lot you know of it's interesting a lot of people know the face they may not know the name and because I played characters and I haven't you know they'll remember me from Goonies from Fratelli mm -hmm. you know the opera singing which I improvised that in Goonies you know what I mean Stop! I'm just a kid! That seems to be the problem Look, mister, I need a ride. My friends and I just had a run-in with these really disgusting people. You might have heard of them, the Fratellis. Well, we found their hideout. And could you please, please take me to the sheriff station? I can describe all three of them. What the hell are you doing? He's only a kid. Can't you handle a kid even? And die hard. Oh. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. I'm uh, 
I'm Dwayne Robinson, LAPD. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. And then, you know, there's so many different... I did a TV series profiler where I was the head of the FBI for four years. That was a very successful show. And now every Dick Wolf show is about FBI. It's about <laughs> what we did, you know, in Criminal Minds. It's yeah. what we did in, you know, 96 to 2000. We were, again, the first show. So you have... Uh, a, but a film that I'm uh, that I that I directed a film called The Dukes, and it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small film, but it won nine awards, and people wow. should take a look at that. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a it's a very sweet film, and uh, th yeah, there's a lot of different uh, you know uh, films, good, bad, and different. You know, you do them for whatever reason. But I've always yeah. I even played Merlin in a film that good. we did in South Africa, Sice uh, <laughs> Brat. You know, I, I did a I did a Welsh kind of my my Welsh. <laughs> you betrayed me. No, Ben. Yes, I remember it all. I brought the staff to the cave, just like the wise one said, and you took my life. Ben. I'm not Ben. You are Ben, and the knight, and all the other bearers of the staff, down the ages. Don't listen to him, knight. You came to him for help. Because you promised the old one, and he stole your life. No. I meant to save you. Save him? You ripped him from time, fleeing the fates lifetime after lifetime. Ben, you were never meant to be the staff bearer. You can feel its power. How is a man who is barely more than a boy able to choose between light and dark? Between power and humility? He was the staff bearer, and he had the right to choose, and you took that from him. Nothing would delight you more than to see him lose his soul, would it, Morgana? I never meant to cause harm. If what I did was wrong, I am sorry. Within the time strains and the constraints of what you did, I have a new TV series coming out called Paper Empire. I've got a, a film called Reagan, where I played Brezhnev yeah. now, that's coming out. And uh, I just did a film with Kevin Spacey, Faye Dunaway, uh, Stefana, Stefania, I forget her last name, but big star in Italy, and Franco Nero directing it, and it's him. Vanessa Redgrave was supposed to be in it, but she wasn't able to do it. But it's uh, called The Man Who Drew God, that I think is going to be a very... You know, an Italian foreign film would be, uh, mm. you know, but uh, there's so many different, and and I'm I, I may be direct. I'm supposed to direct a film that will be very controversial called My Son Hunter. I don't know if yeah. you've yeah. 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 <laughs> sure so, newspapers over here. It's in the British yeah. newspapers. Yeah. Was it? Oh yeah, the Daily Mail. Was it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Daily Mail. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been all over the place. But I'm gonna again. I'm very sensitive to drug addiction. I've had members of my family. There were people out there suffering from it. You know, I'm not going to do, a, I want to do a film that tells the truth, like American Hustle. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I'm excited about doing that. And I have a new album coming out. Ronnie Scott's. I'm pissed at Ronnie Scott's. Oh. They've never invited me to sing there. Now, here I am, a Bond villain. I have, you know, I mean, England knows me to some extent, you know. I would think that would be a Bond villain sings. I, I, I think that would be a marquee thing. And my album went to number six on Billboard Jazz. And uh, I, I would love to do concerts in, in in England or Ireland or so you guys can hear, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be there. We'll yeah. Be there. I don't know if you've heard some of my music. Or, or oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I say that's life. That's life. As funny as it seems. 
You know, some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. But I don't let it get me down. Cause this fine old world keeps spinning around. Yeah, it's been playing around the house these last few days, Robert. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I have a new album I'm working on that'll be out hopefully Valentine's Day. Oh. I'm just making the Fran Sanchez joke, you left my little Valentine. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you like my little Valentine. You like my little Valentine. <laughs> yes, you like yeah. my little Valentine. Like my little Valentine. <laughs> Robert, when you're out and about, do people quote lines from your films to you and what ones are they? Are, are they mainly from License to Kill or, you know, because you've got some all like, different in other films. It's- crazy depending on where i'm at and what they do and who knows it's all different ones it could be from die hard yeah it could be from license to kill it could be from goonies it could be from profiler or predator you know it's uh it could be from who knows where it's from you know yeah it's i mean it it surprises me sometimes you know that, that oh wow a lot of people in like like the bahamas and that part of the world bond films all the time i mean they're like they could see me at the airport. It's like an amazing, yeah. oh, you know, they, they have, uh, they, they love the Bond films there. I'm also quite amazed by how many of the lines you remember yourself. Like you, you seem to still yeah. have the license to kill script fresh. In, is that, is that your experience with all films or is license to kill one that's particularly fun, close to your heart kind of, or are all oh, because, I mean, stored, stored up there? There isn't an actor, producer, actress, in Hollywood that doesn't want to play Bond, a Bond girl or a Bond villain. So there you go. So uh, of course, I was a little kid in Astoria, Queens. Well, I was born in Astoria, Queens, where Cubby was born. Yeah, yeah. We moved to Long Island when I was five. And my family was in Sag Harbor, where Cubby's family also had. And I grew up in Dix Hills. And I remember as a kid, you know, going to the, I think the coach, my coach, Ed Kirkman, who was a reporter, crime reporter for the Daily News gave me, he says, you got to read His Majesty's Secret Service. He was raving about, because Kennedy had talked about the Mm. Ian Fleming books. Mm -hmm. And then seeing my first Bond and seeing Albert R. Broccoli and, uh, you know, and then subsequently year after year watching a Bond film and just saying, hey, and then here I am now, you know, in that Bond film, in that Bond world. It was kind of interesting, you know, kind of... uh, yeah. And then doing your first film with Sinatra as yeah. a kid, who was a huge figure. And, and Sinatra and Cubby were very close friends. And a guy named Sidney Korshak, who was considered one of the most powerful men of Hollywood. So I would go to Cubby's house sometimes and I'd have lunch with Sinatra, Cubby Broccoli and Sidney Korshak. Wow. <laughs> and if you research Sidney Korshak, you'll see how powerful he was, you know, but uh, it was, uh, you know, interesting. But, I wasn't meeting Cubby. I mean, that must have been incredible. It was great. His daughter, Tina, loved Goonies. And we'd go to a place called Cafe Roma, and Giuseppe Franco Hair Salon was there in Beverly Hills. And I met her there, and we hit it off, and we're close. And she said, you got to meet my dad. He was from Astoria. He's going to love you. So I have, at the Bistro, I have dinner with her and her dad and and Dana, his stepmom, who was a lovely person, Dana. Dana gave me a book right after the Bond film because I could have, had I had the... If I hadn't made, anyway, that's another story. But so we hit it off great. And that's why that dinner, I think, I did this movie called uh, Terrorist on Trial, the United States of America versus Salim Ajami, where Richard Maybaum 
it, I had tremendous reviews. It was in all the papers, New York Times, all this uh, LA. And Richard Maybaum called up Cubby Broccoli and says, Cubby, put on Channel 2. That's our next Bond villain. And Cubby says, I've got it on. I think so too. Wow. And then they called me in that next day or so. Incredible. That's how it happened. I didn't audition for it or anything. Mm. And then they were creating the character and bingo. And uh, Cubby was just an amazing, uh, wonderful person. Another key person in the cast, we haven't mentioned, is Felix, David Hedison. David was a sweet man. Oh, David Hedison, sweet guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was just a a lovely, lovely person, David Hedison. I liked him. He was very nice, very, you know, and he was friends with with them. What were your memories of that scene when, you know, you're basically about to have him fed to the sharks? (laughs) Some incredible moments you have in that scene. Where's my wife? Don't worry. We gave her a nice honeymoon. I want you to know this is nothing personal. It's purely business. Well, that was, uh, you know, the feeding of the shark. That was a, uh, uh, you know, I have my own personal justifications for things uh, that you do. But, uh, you know, you, you, your, your imagination is, this is a guy that infiltrated my world. He tried to take me down. So now you have to suffer the consequence. You know, it was not. <laughs> Purely business, nothing personal. <laughs> I count 165 credits you've got on IMDb, Robert. I mean, what a career. Absolutely. Thank you. Unbelievable. Um, it's been such a pleasure to hang out with you. I, Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time, your heart, your uh, your appreciation of, uh, of Bond and uh, of cinema. And uh, congratulations on what you're doing. Keep doing it. I, Thank, I Thank you, Robert. Oh, we love you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Robert. Best villain in the best bond. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Robert. God bless, guys. Day. Take care. Oh, yeah. All of you, boys. Bye-bye. God bless you.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.